many of you know the story of Daniel, but here's just a really quick recap of this story. Uh, there's a man named Daniel who's in exile in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. He, he's a former Jew who used to live, live in Jerusalem, and he's been told in this foreign land, do not practice the faith you came here with. Do not pray to the God that you are in relationship with. And Daniel has made a promise. He's made a promise to his God to stay in relationship with him, to stay faithful to him or her, this larger entity. And he says, no, I'm going to pray to my God. And he does, and he's caught, and he's thrown in a lion's den. And then somehow, miraculously, the next day, they go back, and none of the lions ate him, and Daniel is alive because he's kept in the story, he's kept his promise to God, so he's delivered from the hands of death. Here's a lesson. It's risky making promises. <laughs> it leaves you vulnerable and exposed, and you may end up in a lion's den. There's another part, though, of this song equally is important to our message this morning in many ways, and that is the context of the song, this African-American spiritual, and this notion of the righteous servant who is mistreated again and again. Enslaved Africans could look at this story, this biblical story of Daniel and others as well. You heard some of them, and they could maintain some kind of hope because of a belief in a power greater than a king or greater than a government or greater than slaveholders that were mistreating them so poorly, so inhumanely. In other words, they could resonate with Daniel, a faithful servant of God. Spirituals like this one speak to the hope of freedom and the promise of a new social order. So essentially, this is a story, a song about promise-keeping and faithfulness. Daniel keeps his promise to God, and God remains faithful to Daniel. The spirituals are often anchored in the hope of such promises. But this morning, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that promises aren't always kept. We know that vows are broken. We know that we make heartfelt promises to our children, to our families, to our communities, even to our country, perhaps. Promises we intend to keep, promises made in good faith, but promises we often break. The Reverend John Burens, a colleague of mine, argues that we are not so much homo sapiens, the Latin means the wise people. We are not so much wise people, he says, as the promise-making people. We should better understand ourselves not as the ones with intellects, but as the ones that make promises. He explains, we ourselves are created in the context of relationships, of promises, of commitments. In other words, we know ourselves by the promises, the implicit or the explicit promises we make and live into with those around us. John Burens continues, we then either break those promises, make new ones, or modify them, or renew them. German theologian Martin Buber called humans the promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, and promise-renewing creature. Making and breaking promises is at the center of what it means to be human. We make promises, some more sacred than others, and we try to live into them imperfectly. Here's a lighthearted example to share with you. Our son, and I'll be honest with you, it's uh, my wife and I as well, we all have a sweet tooth. And so not too long ago, 
I was possessed by the Costco demon as I wheeled, wielded that ginormous cart through the warehouse. And it was in the baking section when that Costco demon kind of landed on my shoulder and started whispering in my ear. And the Costco demon said, that five pound bag of chocolate chips. You must have it. <laughs> Think of it, Justin. It's the same price as the one pound bag at the corner store. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> Buy it now. So I did. And now we have this massive quantity of chocolate chips in our home. And uh, They've been opened, and they're on a top shelf. It's more than you can use for, like, any recipe. Like, you need to make chocolate chips for, like, everyone in the sanctuary, and then that bag would be gone. So there's a bunch of them left over on a top shelf, unreachable. And we told our 7-year-old, and we put them there to keep them out of our reach, too, honestly. We told him, we said to our 7-year-old, please don't get into the chocolate chips. <laughs> I promise I won't, he says. I promise But here's how the story goes. Just a few days ago, and this, this, is, I love, this cracks me up, just a few days ago, we found videotape. So he had, he had got my wife's iPhone, her cell phone, and he had filmed himself. He made this little tutorial, like talking on the camera, like here's how you move the stool over <laughs> to right below the counter. He's filming himself while he's doing this. He's explaining the secret, like you move, they're upstairs, mom and dad, you move the stool over here, talking in the camera, and then very quietly, you open the cabinet and get some chocolate chips. Now in the video, to his credit, he didn't actually grab any of the chips. We didn't get that on the video, but there had been chips on the floor in various places around the house, so we know he had been doing this. And then when we reviewed the tape with him, It's just, it's classic. Like the last second is like, oh, mom, I didn't take any chips. And he jumps off the stool. And we reviewed the video with him in this little interrogation session there in the kitchen. And he said to us, and I believed him, I promise I won't do it again. I promise. We are the promise-making promise-breaking and promise-renewing creatures, aren't we? And on a more serious note, Conrad, in his call to worship this morning, points to those promises that we make in a wedding. And it made me think of when I heard that, that call to worship and as we were talking about this service, it made me think about the wedding vows that my wife and I shared with each other nearly 10 years ago. We wrote our own vows, and one of the th things we said to each other among a number of things, and some of you have heard this before, we said this to each other. We said, I promise to see you with new eyes each day as the person you are becoming, not as the person I want you to be. I promise to see you each day with new eyes as the person you are becoming, not as the person I want you to be. It's a lofty promise, and just speaking for myself, I can't tell you how many times I have broken that promise, how many times, either consciously or unconsciously, I've wanted Juliana to be a certain way or to do a certain thing or to respond in a particular way to my own issues or needs. It was more about my own ego than about the preciousness of her soul unfolding into the person 
she was becoming. Over the years, I've gotten better at living into this promise, seeing her as the person she's becoming, not as the person I want her to be, but I still fall short of that sacred promise. We both do, but it's an anchor in our lives. We are promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, and promise-renewing creatures. We become human by making sacred promises to one another. Those promises orient our lives in a particular way. They keep us pointed toward a north star that reminds us how we want to be in relationship with ourselves, the promises we make with ourselves, with others, with life itself. I promise to see you as the person you are becoming, not as the person I want you to be. And it has to be said, these kinds of promises are not easy. It is scary, can be downright terrifying when we give our heart to another human being with a promise like that. It is scary when we make a sacred promise. It leaves us vulnerable. It asks something of us. When we give our hearts in a promise like that, when we make a sacred promise, there is a very real chance we will be hurt. As author Rob Bell says, it's easy to take off your clothes and have sex. People do it all the time. But opening up your soul to someone, letting them in to your spirit, to your thoughts, your fears, your future, your hope, your dreams, that is being naked. Letting someone in to see who you are and who you are becoming or any other number of sacred promises, that is risky. Your heart can and probably will be betrayed or hurt as you live out those promises. And yet, without such promises, there is less, less richness, less reward, less possibility for deep and abiding joy in this life. So just imagine with me for a moment as we think about sacred promises and the way they can ripple out from us into the world, think about what that could look like. Imagine if instead of looking at a day and saying, well, this isn't really the one I've been looking for, we greeted each day saying, I promise to see you as the day you are becoming, not as the day I want you to be. What if we made a sacred promise with life itself to see each day as the gift it might be to be fully awake to the moments of that day? What if we, like Maya Angelou said, what a wonderful day. I've never seen one like it before. What would that do for us? What would we notice? What might unfold? And imagine this, what if we said to one another here in this faith community, this very dynamic faith community that we're a part of, which is made up of changing people, all of you. What if we said to one another, I promise to see you, the whole collective, this church, as the church you are becoming, not as the church I want you to be. Now, this is not to say you don't have a voice in shaping the mission and the ministry of this church. You do, of course. But it's to say, what if we thought of church as less about us and our individual needs and more about the collective whole, more about what the community might need from us? What might loosen in us or change or grow 
which we made and lived into such a promise. Like a human being, the church is always changing new people, new leaders. But amidst all that change, there is a sacred promise we orient around. There is a sacred promise we say every single Sunday about how we will be with one another through the changes we experience. We say we will dwell together in peace. We will seek the truth in love and we will help one another give and receive and grow. So it is in the context of sacred promises that I want to say a few words about our pledge drive, which begins today and concludes on pledge day, March 9th. And I know sometimes when we start to talk about the pledge drive, there's a sense of, oh, can't the Lord deliver me <laughs> like he delivered Daniel from hearing about the pledge drive one more time. Oh, can't the Lord deliver me from hearing about that again? I actually sang that a little bit at the first service, didn't I, choir? It sounded kind of bad, but I was sort of singing it a little bit. <laughs> but I wonder if in the context of sacred promises, if we can reframe and reimagine what it means to be at this point in the year where we're talking about the pledge drive again. Think for me, think with me for just a moment about an important anniversary in your life. Maybe it's a birthday wedding anniversary or a death anniversary of someone, excuse me, someone you love that's very near and dear to your heart. Just hold that in mind right now. I'm guessing you don't just blow through that anniversary. You don't just blow through a birthday or a wedding anniversary or a death anniversary. We often slow down. We acknowledge the season of life we're in and where we are. We take stock. We look around. We see who's no longer in the circle. Who else maybe has come in to the circle? We see the fullness and complexity of those moments. We don't just roll up to an anniversary and think, oh, geez, this again, this again. It's true that sometimes these anniversaries involve complicated feelings, and I know that that's the case for many of us. And I know that's especially the case as it relates to a thing that comes every year like the pledge drive because we're talking about money. We're asking for your support of this faith community. But it's good for our souls to stop and take inventory when these anniversaries come around. We ignore them or dismiss them or belittle them to our own detriment. These anniversaries can be a time to consider the possibilities and the potential of the promises we've made and the promises we wish to renew. That's what the pledge drive can be every year. As we pause and we see the steps we've taken to arrive at this point, as we pause and look back, we can see and celebrate that we, last year, collectively, we eliminated the basic religious education fees of this church so every family and child and youth could participate without having an additional fee. It was remarkable. You did that. We did that. We made a promise to families. We said, we want this to be a church where you can participate no cost, no cost for you. We expect that this ministry will sustain and nurture you and you will support the whole church, but we're not going to have a special tax on families and religious education. We can look back over the year and see how we've deepened our racial justice journey and we've deepened our commitment to the community. You can look at the work we've done with Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative. You can look and look at the UU Solar Garden, the community solar garden that we've just launched. We are living 
into sacred promises. These are promises we're making with our children and families. We're making with our community. We're making with the planet itself. You're a part of that. You are a part of those promises. And this upcoming year, we want to deepen those promises. We want to pay a living wage of $15 an hour to every adult staff member of this church, which is not something we currently do. We want to promise, we want to promise to anyone who works here, we will pay you a living wage. We will pay you at least $15 an hour. And how good and right would it feel as we do justice work in the community, as we talk about a living wage of $15 in the community, to have our own house in order and to pay those who support this church at least $15 an hour. It would feel amazing. We have other goals as well. We want to eliminate all of the religious education fees. We, we got rid of the basic fees, but there are still these suggested donations for weekend events or programs. We want to get rid of those as well to make sure that all of our programming is accessible for children and youth and everyone else from this day forward. In order to achieve those goals and others, we need to raise an additional $80,000 in pledges. We can do this. We are doing this. I want you to know because of church members and myself, we've been making phone calls the past month or so, and we've already raised, we have commitments from many of you in the pews. We've already raised an additional $25,000 in pledges, thanks to your generosity. Some of you have increased $5 a month or $10 a month, 100, sometimes more. And we know from these phone calls too that many of you are on a fixed income or you've just had a child or you have health issues and you're not able to increase and you may not even pledge this year. We understand. We are in this together. It is the collective doing its ministry together. We know also that if the majority of folks in this space increased their yearly giving by $10 up to $100 a month, we'd achieve these goals. We'd pay a living wage of $15 an hour. And so as you leave the sanctuary today, please do pick up your pledge packet just outside the doors, take it home, read it over, reflect on the sacred promises you want to make with our children and youth and families, the sacred promises you wanna make with the employees of this church. Reflect on the sacred promises that speak to your heart. And here's the thing, as I thought about this sermon and the sacred promises, here's the thing, we are not a faith community that can promise you an express ticket to heaven. That's a different church. That, that's, a, that's a whole different religion. We're not a faith community that can promise you otherworldly salvation. Though I'm pretty sure we save lives in the here and now in this faith community. We're not a faith community that assures you there is only one golden ticket of truth. And like Charlie and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you're in possession of that ticket of truth. We don't promise any of those things. What we do promise is that we will be a faith community that walks with you, that sees you as the person you are becoming that welcomes and affirms and protects the light in your heart. We are a faith community of personal and communal transformation. And unlike the biblical superhero Daniel, we are a faith community that knows each of us more than likely will make, break, and renew our sacred promises. And in doing that, in struggling through the joy and the heartbreak of that process, 
we will become fully human together. This is the sacred promise we hold. May it be so.